welcome to another episode of the Racing Line Podcast. Uh, men, what an awesome night of racing that we had. Championship performances galore. And we'll start off with the fantastic performance that was displayed at Old Trafford with Liverpool destroying Manchester United <laughs> 5 to nil. Wow. Did, did you guys have a secret group chat where you thought you're going you're gonna to do that at the start of the pod? No, I, I was, I was I unaware I of that. But Anthony, have you been sitting on that all mate, day? I've been sitting on that for you all day, mate. <laughs> I had to start with that one. Yeah, bet you sit oh, on something else freaking, too. Oh, mate, there you go. Mo Salah, mate. Mo Salah getting the lean angle down. <laughs> all right. Oh, anyway. See that bandwagon going by? I think you're jumping on it, my friend. <laughs> Let's get a little bit more serious. Um, we're actually talking about the latest MotoGP race that just took place uh, at Misano, the circuit of Marco Simoncelli, the third last round of the MotoGP World Championship. It was a cold day, obviously, uh, in the part of, in that part of uh, Italy, uh, and I'll let Michael give us the brief, you know, introduction to to the podcast and 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 the few main points for from the race. Yeah, what well, what a weekend of racing it was. Um, you know, I've just just watched the the MotoGP race, and um, I've got to say, there's so many storylines in that in that race that um, it it almost you know left me without a clear starting point. But I, I must say that um, Quattararo, well-deserved champion, um, the most consistent rider all year. Um, we've had a brave push by um, Francesco Bagnaia in, in this second half of the season, but um, I think Quattararo's consistency has paid off in the end. Um, a great a great manufacturer battle um, between Yamaha and Ducati. Um, after a rebound season from 2020 and um, you know this race was no different from the previous races that have transpired this season with um, a lot of lead changes um, a lot of drama and you know culminating in um, both Ducati riders falling at the same corner of the track both with um, the decision both with obviously the team decision to run um, hard front tires which really um, was a surprise to me, and I'm sure it was a surprise to most um, MotoGP fans to see that decision um, come about. But, you know, at the end, it, it really cost Ducati and, and it hands Quattararo the, the title um, on a silver platter. You know, in terms of the actual race, um, brilliant to see Marc Marquez um, back on the, winner's pod- um, on the winner's step of the podium. Really, really come... Um, along strongly in the last three races with a second at Motorland in Aragon um, and then two wins on the bounce. So um, Marquez is really um, stepping it up. I think his his shoulder um, is, you know, looks healed and he looks really, really consistent again, which, you know, I'll, I'll let Joseph make a point, make the point later, but I, I think that it's really going to make um, next season very interesting. But just in terms of the race, I think there were a few things that stood out to me. Um, the early pace of the of the Ducatis was one. Banyaya starting brilliantly, um, Miller starting brilliantly, and and then we see Miller go down. I think it was, you know, on lap six of the race um, at the corner that Banyaya ends up falling, falling at. Um, I think Quattararo was a just was very poised throughout the race, you know, very poor at the start, not with, not with an ideal start at all, but just gradually made his way through the pack and then really turned on the jets. Um, even before Banyaya fell, um, he was already moving into the top six. And then obviously after Banyaya falls, um, 
moving briefly into third um, before finishing in fourth with the World Championship. So um, very dramatic race. I think um, Ducati made two unneeded errors. Obviously, the, the first being the decision to go with the hard front tyre. I, I, I didn't really understand it, considering that they qualified so well. I don't think they needed to take that risk. You know, I think in, in the moment, um, you know, if it pays off, it could have been something, you know, on, on a warmer day, it could have been something that, that came into effect um, later in the race. But we, you made the point in that it was a rather cool track temperature and that was consistent throughout the weekend. So I didn't really understand the decision. And, and like I said, it ended up costing them um, gravely. And I, didn't under, I also didn't understand at the point where Banyaya falls, the, the need for him to push um, only the lap before, I think it was two laps before, um, he actually breaks away from Marquez. So there's no need um, for him to, to push. And, and when he does, he falls. And like I said, it's all over. Um, Bastianini, this guy um, has come out of nowhere really in the last half of the season. Um, it doesn't surprise me per se because he, he displayed late race um, pace all of last season. Anyone um, following Moto2 would have seen that, particularly his second half of the season, just like this year. He, he was really, really um, finishing the season well, and late in races, he would, he would pick up a lot of positions. So to go from 16th on, um, on the starting grid to fall back to 17th at one point in the early laps and then to finish in third um, was just brilliant. And I really think he's making a case um, now, I think, um, anyway, that it, him and between, it was between him and Martin. Um, and I think he's really pushed ahead of Martin just through his consistency in these last three, right, three, um, three to four races. And then obviously we see Rossi in his farewell, um, farewell Grand Prix in, in Italy. And just in, just in closing, I think it just poises 2022 um, so brilliantly, you know, Yamaha will be entering the season as world champions, Ducati um, with a much, much improved bike um, and surely Martin Bastianini and, and that the stable that they have pushed the bike further. Suzuki, I believe, will rebound um, next year when they can finally start to introduce those parts that they they were testing in the off season for 2022. I think Honda, obviously with Marquez back to full strength, have finished the season really, really strongly as well. And then obvious, and then it, it's natural, I think, to see progression from Aprilia and, and KDM. So I just think the way it's ended. Um, congratulations to Quattararo and it just puts us in a really, really um, interesting position moving forward um, in 2022. And, and just for anyone who hasn't actually watched the race, just very briefly, the um, first top four were Mark, Mark Marquez, as Mike mentioned earlier, Paul Espargaro, you know, getting by far his best result for Honda in second. Uh, Bastianini taking third from Quattararo on the second last corner and then Quattararo uh, finishing in fourth and in doing so tying up the championship and well, with that we'll move into to the um, talking points Joey so if you want to uh, kick us off there uh, please go for it what's there left Mike spoke about everything in his flaming 10 minute race preview he didn't preview the race um, no no it's all right uh, so quickly the first thing I'd like to um, pick up on well congratulations on Quattararo what a year it just proves when you don't fall you know, that's the that's the way to win championships. I don't think he's fallen this year in a race. So kudos to him. I think it was rather fitting that um, he won his championship on the day that Rossi had his last race in Italy uh, since Rossi was such a big um, big person for that Yamaha, Yamaha team for so long. Um, what did you think, Anthony, about 
the whole um, championship, and other than the fact that I don't think anyone, not even the commentators, were thinking that there was going to be a championship celebration in that race, right. especially after the pace that Ducati had literally all weekend. Oh, Mate, I think it was, it when, was the biggest surprise. Like no one was ready for it. When, when 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 he actually crashed, I think the commentators took a second and a half to realize that the championship was 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 then and there done because you, you hear him go, they, he goes down, and then they go, wait, that's the um that's the championship. I think no one saw that coming. No, and and just to think about the the pace that he was showing, um, you know, before and it, it's almost like he had just broken Marquez, the the yeah, two previous yeah. laps before that, and I kind of thought, well. You know, he can't have done anything more to extend the championship. Uh, you know, it was awesome. He, he raced awesome. Bagnaya for the whole race, you know, well, you know, didn't put a foot wrong. I think we might have a bit of a debate about the tyre choice later on because I don't think I sit on the same side of the fence as you guys. Um, but, yeah, just happened too quickly. And I, and I really feel sorry for him. But at the same time, uh, and Harry and I were talking about this off air earlier, I mean, this guy... Um, is the best thing to happen to Ducati for quite a long time. And I can't wait to see, you know, what his future trajectory looks like, to be honest with you. I really feel like he's, he, this is his Quattararo year last year where he's sort of learning on the fly. I mean, Quattararo wasn't in the factory team last year, but he was on a factory bike. And I think this is really when um, Bagnaya sort of had to deal with a bit of pressure. And I think he's done actually pretty well dealing with the pressure. I haven't really, you haven't seen many cracks until now. Um, touching on the tyres, it was actually really interesting because the day before in qualifying, um, Miller actually spoke on the podium about um, how hard it is to get that left tyre to activate at, at Mazzano when the track isn't hasn't got temperature. So to put him on a harder tyre that is harder to activate in itself, uh, it was a it was an interesting decision. And the only thing I can think of is that they, I think Ducati don't trust that that their bike can can deal with the tyres for the whole race. Because consistently, all year, quite regularly all year, they have gone for a harder tyre compound than everyone else. We saw it in a couple of races back when Bagnaya chose the hard tyres as well. The only thing I can think of is that they don't trust that tyre, um, that, that their bike can preserve the tyres. But also, also, it was interesting listening, literally the day before, I was listening to um, one of the um, British um, one of the British uh, commentators talking about how demanding it is to ride a, um, a MotoGP bike. And he was, he was just saying, you have to be, uh, to ride a MotoGP bike fast, the commitment is I have to be prepared to crash on every corner. Um, and you see that so many times this year, we've just seen bikes that don't show any um, any real like look of, of, of falling, just, just sliding out under people. And I think the only thing that happened to Ducati this week was they didn't have any of those problems until the race where every other rider seemed to have a few accidents in practice, in qualifying. Bastianini slid off three times in qualifying. Marquez had his accidents in qualifying. Um, so probably just a bit of bad luck and a bit of a lack of awareness, I suppose, maybe because they didn't have a problem all weekend. But yeah, yeah. Point, I, th- I think um, if anything this year showing that that bike is Banyaya's bike and I think development in the off season will be primarily based on on the feedback he's been giving all year um i think it's interesting though to 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 compare miller's fall to banyaya's fall because there was a slight difference between them um banyaya's actually turned was tipping into that corner much earlier than than expected um and i don't know whether that was because 
Um, he was trying to really push to break away from Marquez even more if it was just rider error. Um, but but needless to say, it's a it's a rider mistake in that situation, and and it he really you know as brilliant as he's been, and I think he's been super consistent this year, which is saying that Ducati haven't had for a few years now. Um, it was just I think unfortunate that it happened in that pressure moment, and and I don't think um, you know we give we, we we might be giving not enough credit to Marquez too because Marquez raced a really consistent race um, and kept that pressure. You know he you could see him waiting for that mistake and I think he like Anthony said he had just kind of broken away um and that's when Banyaya cracks and I think it's just unfortunate that it happens there and then um but regardless I think he's had an absolutely brilliant year and it's been a fantastic year for Ducati as a whole the other interesting thing was I saw with, with that um you you would expect Miller wasn't even pushing because you saw him he actually had a better jump off the line and once they got to that first corner you saw him just hold up, let, let Bagnaya through and then just follow. So you would expect him to have been doing rather um, comfortable laps behind Bagnaya unless Bagnaya was really pushing with pace that he couldn't keep up with. But Yeah, I don't was, think that I don't think that we can, um, we speculate. can say that. Yeah, speculate that Bagnaya wasn't pushing. I think Marquez, knowing him, would have been, you know, and if you watch the race, he was pushing to try to get past Bagnaya for, you know, 15 to 20 laps and, and, and Bergnaya was holding him off, you know, fantastic. They were, they were really murdering. They were, they were breaking away from the West rest of the field. Fairly Same as last race at Mazzano. If you looked at Paul Espargaro's times as well, they weren't slouch times. He was, you know, doing quite well in third and pulling away again, comfortably himself. Um, so they were, they were moving really quickly. I think it, just briefly on the tires, I don't think it was a mistake at all. Um, personally, I think that for Ducati, if we if we think about everything up to the crash, which we can call rider error, he was comfortably keeping Marquez behind him, you know, for the majority of the race. And then with a you know a handful of laps to go, he you know started to push, and Marquez really couldn't really couldn't stay with him. Um, and I think he might have just pushed for one lap too many, um, or just a little bit too hard. But had he have stayed on the bike, you know, his tires were were giving him by far the best lap time um, at the end of the race. And 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 I think it's just a shame that that he did fall down because like I said, uh, maybe I said it off air, but I think he would have won that race by, you know, a second and a half had he stayed on. So I think the tires were right. I think he made a mistake. I think Miller made a mistake as well. I don't know if it was, if it was the same, you know, I'm kind of sick of making excuses for him to be honest with you. Um, well, I, I think that's I mean, the, that's the, that's a brilliant point. Anthony. I, I think the difference between Miller and Banyan, and this is not to like, people think that I don't like Miller. I think Miller made it, made, it could have gen, genuinely been the tyres that not, not heated up, um, that, that hadn't heated up at the time. But Banyaya, you know, you could, if he doesn't fall, um, you can you can be sitting there saying the hard tyres were a masterstroke and it was the reason why he was pulling away. But at the end of the day, he does. Um, so we'll never know. And I just think that um, why, what was, what was the point in risking it? Like, they qualified fine. They had great pace all weekend. Um, I just, I didn't see the point of it. Um, and I didn't understand the point changing in changing that setup um, on race day when the riders were clearly comfortable with um, medium hard. So I just, I just didn't understand it. Are you Harry? Have you got any thoughts on this matter? <laughs> uh, well, you know, obviously being new that, you know, the hard tire obviously would be the hardest one to, to get, temperature into and I think I said to Anthony at the start of the 
before we jumped on on the on the on the Zoom that the strategist should have known that the weather was going to be cold and the track wasn't going to get heat into the surface. So why were they putting these riders on the hardest compound, considering they were the only two riders in the whole the whole field that that had the hard compound? So I don't know. To me, it didn't make sense, and I feel like yeah, people are going to point fingers at Bagnaya and Miller, but I feel it's the, it's the team that's at fault on this one. Yeah, it seems like a team decision, and and interestingly, in practice, in, a strange in the strange team practice decision, session, they were saying that they were expecting warmer temperatures on race day. Clearly, that didn't eventuate, and they must. And I don't, I don't, you know, we'll never know if the team still believed that it was going to heat up. Um, but it's still, it's still so, so finicky in a sense because MotoGP races aren't long. You know, we're not, we're not talking about like two and a half our races like we, we see in F1, it, they're, they're, you know, 50 minutes at best. So um, I, I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I don't know what, what was, what the Intel was to make that decision. I, I can't help but think it was a decision made by the team to give them a competitive advantage, obviously. Um, and I think it almost worked, but ultimately it cost them both their bikes and, and a massive impact um, on Ducati and the constructors. They went from, you know, having a chance for the triple crown to now it being firmly in Yamaha's um, grasp. So, you know, it's huge consequences. I, w- I will say just quickly, considering they were on the hard tyres, Miller and Bagnaya got off the line really, really quickly, which I find surprising considering they were on the hardest compound. But mm. and Ducati's bike is a fantastic hole shot though. So that, that's, been, that, that's yeah. been there all year. I One still of- ask myself if Ducati had performed better at the sale, um, which they were expected to, because they were blitzing the time, the timing sheets in that first, um, in that first, that opening Grand Prix. You know how different it would have been in this part of the season, but you know it's if buts and maybe's at this point. I want to move to um to probably the man of the moment, not because he came first, but just finally had a really good result, Paul Espargaro, um, and second. Yeah, but he was it was his best result of the year by far. And it was it was um fortuitous that the Ducatis did fall off, but you've got to be there to get second and his pace was was really good. I just wanna ask the question, do you think this was more of a Honda result or just um a bit of circumstance or or do we actually think that um or poles gelling with the bike, it was a bit cooler and he likes the cooler, less grippy um conditions. He said that before. Um, but what do you think about how Honda's progressing now that's two wins in a row and probably building a bit of momentum now for the for the next year, which is which is eerily dangerous, I feel like, for the rest of the championship? Well, I think firstly, if there's one thing that we know about Honda, regardless of how poorly they're performing, um, they're always pretty quick to make changes and pretty quick to improve the bike. I mean, we saw the same thing last year. The bike was a, you know, pretty bang average last year. And even with Brattle and Alex Marquez, they were able to get a few podiums to finish the year. Uh, Did Marquez get a win? I can't remember if it was a win or a second. Um, So they do. Alex Marquez. Yeah. Did he get a win or was just second? He might've just come second. He Um, he finished the year really poorly. He kept falling. Regardless, he got, he got a couple of podiums anyway. Mid season Um, he was, he was strong. So they do, you know, make radical changes to the bike. I also think that um, given COVID lockdown, you know, pole probably took a little bit more time to, uh, you know, sync with the bike. It's not the easiest bike to ride as well. So I think we, it, it, there's a, a factor of maybe him just becoming comfortable with the bike now. He's obviously come to a track for the second time. 
um, because they raced here, you know, five weeks ago. They tested the Honda at Mizano the day after the, the first race. So I think, you know, part of it is him having some kind of affinity with the bike at and a they track. tested this bike as well as the new bikes. It wasn't just a new bike yeah. test. It was this bike test as yeah, well. That's right. So I think, you know, that bodes well if we were to think about how they might perform next year. Uh, and I also just think that with Marquez, you know, getting fitter, um, he's able to provide more effective feedback. You know, the, the, the better he feels, the better the feedback, the better he can set up the bike. Um, he's the master on that bike. So, you know, any effective intel he can give is going to benefit the other side of the garage as well. So, oh yeah, I do. I think, I think there's a few factors as to why they're improving. Um, I feel like I they need think... to improve as well. I feel yeah, like they... it's not like a they have to. It's like this is the, the biggest budget in MotoGP. This is a team that is is happy to spend the biggest budget on riders as well. Like this is not a team that is 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 will, will sit on its laurels, you know what I mean? We um, with Yamaha last year. I mean, Yamaha were nowhere last year, um, in terms of where they where they finished in the in the points, but they had one they had won races and it was just a matter of they'd won the most races in fact. And it was just a matter of tweaking the bike. And I think like Anthony was saying, I think it does bode well for Honda because if we know anything about Paul, it's that he, I don't necessarily think he's a rider that hugely outperforms his bike, but I feel like when he is comfortable on the bike and when it's set up, you know, for him, he does excel. And we saw that with KTM last year, because, you know, you could say that he built the KTM to what it was and they had, really finished 2020 in a strong position. So it could be a mix of him getting used to the bike, but I feel like that point that Anthony made with Marquez coming back, that feedback um, into the garage is absolutely crucial. And, and the bike stabilized massively in the last five rounds and, and you see the results. I feel like Paul will be, will be a consistent and um, really valuable second rider, just like I feel um, uh, that from going on next year, Jack Miller will have to take that second rider um like sort of role in the team, hundred um, percent. But I, I'm I'm really happy to see how um, Honda get a one-two number one because they are the the biggest name in the sport. Um, okay, <laughs> this is probably the biggest WTF moment of the weekend for me, and not because I wasn't expecting it, but the more I think about it, I'm just like, what is happening here? Darren Binder gets confirmed as the last Yamaha rider next year. Um, I'm just thinking to myself, why, why, why? I know there's contracts involved in this, but even watching the Moto2 race from the weekend, I don't know if any of you caught that race, really, really cra- cracking race. And I'm thinking there are five, there are four riders in Moto2 and probably another three in, um, in Moto3 who uh, these riders really show just a bit more of everything to what I've ever seen from Darren Binder. I'm just like, why is... Why is he um, getting this fast track pass? And it's not that I'll, if I, I begrudge him for taking it, because if it's offered to you, of course you're going to take it. And um, I'm, I'm, and I don't think that Jake Dixon was the right call either. But wouldn't you look at riders like um, Fernandez, um, even Lowe's? Lowe's has been in MotoGP before. If you're going to take someone from a lower level, why not take uh, Lowe's, Fernandez, Aaron Kinnett, um, or even Fanati from Moto3? They've all shown like heaps more upside than Darren Binder's ever shown. You Any even, thoughts on this? Honestly, I, I saw Even Lekawona, like what's happening? I saw, when it, when it happened, I honestly thought this has to be some kind of strategic move by Dorna. Um, and like, Why? It, because, look, because I We've think got a South African. I think that they're trying to expand 
the brand. I think I think that bringing in writers from different countries does that. Like, I mean, you could even say, look, Remy Gardner is brilliant as he's been, right? You could very easily make the case that Ralph Fernandez should be on a ride before him. And I and he's I, on a ride. I, well, in terms of his in terms of motor motor GP, I think that he could have, you know, I think he could have got a a better ride um, than 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 Gardner, but because I think he's, I, I personally think that he's a, a little bit more of a better racer. Um, and, and I think the last couple of rounds has shown that Gardner, you know, can be a little bit shaky, even though he's still been good. Um, so when I when I have, when I saw it happen, I thought surely this is some kind of um, expansion move or or you know to to gain um, uh, to gain more fan base more, more followers but it, it, it was puzzling I, I don't understand I think there's such a dearth of talent in moto 2 if anything this year has proven that with Marini and, and Bastianini um, and Martin coming through and how how excellent they've been I, I, I don't understand it yeah I kind of have to concur I think firstly probably the most interesting fact is that of the best riders in Moto2, most of them are already making the move up to MotoGP next year, which is which is a good thing. The case can definitely made that Aaron Kinnett and Augusto Fernandez racing for Mark VDS should be racing in MotoGP well before this guy. But, I mean, he's won one race in Moto3. He's performed, I mean, he might be coming sixth in the championship. He's done, like, nothing to really warrant the move up. He's been given the opportunity um, and, and, you know, he's a bigger guy. So maybe the fact that he's a, a bigger, you know, physical specimen might mean that he performs better on the MotoGP bike as opposed to the Moto3 um, bike. You know, that might be something, um, but he's got a lot to prove. And I think that going into next year, um, if he starts binning the bike, I don't think it's going to be a very long stay. The other thing that Michael was saying about, um, you know, getting more South Africans in the um, – in the category, yeah, that that seems like a you know an interesting idea. You know, Kyle Army, um, you know, is an awesome track. They want to expand the calendar from eighteen tracks to twenty-two tracks over the next couple of years. You know, putting a track in, uh, putting a race in Africa, definitely that be awesome. Definitely, ex- yeah, definitely expands the 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 category. So that might be part of it as well. Um, but listen, rather than you know hating on him, you know, it might be. It might work. Um, obviously, he's got a brother in MotoGP that he can lean on. There's going to be a few brothers in MotoGP from next year. Um, but yeah, it's a head scratcher. I don't think he really deserves it. But you know, wish him the best of luck, and you know, hopefully he proves us wrong because um, you know, if he flames out, it's it's really not going to be a good look for MotoGP. Touching on um, touching on the whole expansion thing, though, you would think that. Um... Like and this is not going to happen because he's already said he wants a a, a factory bike, but you think that getting um, top rack into MotoGP would be an even bigger uh, growth phenomenon than getting another South African in there, uh, like especially considering he has factory Yamaha tires number one, and has um, it looks like he's going to wrap up the World Superbikes Championship number two um, next weekend. Uh, you, you would just think that if 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 you were looking for expansion in Dorna, that would be the play. Uh, and I don't know. It's just I just think it's a head scratcher. All right. Yeah, the, la- the, last thing- the last world superbike rider to come and actually do something in MotoGP. Slow. Slow. But, I think the other you thing- can't say that Crutchlow uh, like exactly lit it up. He was he was consistent to an extent. But he was he, he, he was, was he was. <laughs> 
race he was winner. pretty I don't good. Think, I don't he think, was a race I don't winner. Think he ever, yeah, well, I don't think he ever like consistently challenged though. I mean, look, I think I think Top Rack would would be a better choice than Binder. I I, I generally don't understand the Binder thing. I, I, it must be a publicity for me. It sounds like some kind of publicity stunt. I don't think he's been he warrants a MotoGP bike at all. But you know, like Ant said, you, you hope he does well because it, it can only bring exposure to the brand, and that's what I think it is. I think it's a brand move by Dorna. Just to sound off on this whole topic and we'll move on from it, but the other thing that we need to take into consideration as well is the last time a rider came from World Superbike into MotoGP, Dorna weren't in charge of World Superbike. And now, obviously, over the last couple of years, they've, they've bought it and they're That's in true. it. So they have a vested interest to make sure that they've got quality riders racing in World Superbike as well. So I think before they yeah, it's true. It's let really point. Top Rack move into World Superbike. I think they probably want to see a little bit from maybe Van der Mark and, and Reading to make sure that that category is in a strong position before they get rid of arguably the greatest talent there. I think that category is going to be fine, to be honest. And I'll, I'll we'll sort of segue into this then. We've got, um, I think, uh, watching qualifying, we saw how talented Lekawona is on his day, even though he... he um, <laughs> Keep sending nah, it. He keeps sending it. He keeps sending it. No, he's not. He keep, nah, he's you can't. Be, a, you can't believe it. You can't believe waste. that. He's a waste. I do. I do believe it. I think he waste, He blew a lot of races last year on a really good bike because the bike was a three-time race winner. Um, I think he was given all of. He was on a. He was on a factory bike last year because they ran four factory bikes in 2020 when they entered in with Tech Three's first year, and I, I don't. I think he blew his chance. I. I I think he might do all right in World Superbike, but I genuinely think he's, he he can't do with the pressure that guy. COVID, you could say, ruined his momentum, but what momentum did he have? Yeah, I don't. I just don't think he can cut it. And yeah. t- yes, t- yesterday's fall proved that even when the pressure's not there, he still can't finish a race. So I think Tech Three doing the right thing by cutting him. I think I think if we're talking about Binder moving up to MotoGP when he doesn't deserve it, Lekawena was in Moto Two, wasn't really in there long enough, and didn't really do enough to weren't moving up to MotoGP. Hmm. Um, COVID was probably the best thing for him because they raced at a lot of tracks twice uh, and, and, it, and it still didn't, you know, work out too well. But I think... I'm I just think saying COVID as in he got COVID. Yeah. He physically yeah, got COVID yeah. and missed a few races. I think, yeah, I think at World Superbike with, you know, less of a spotlight, um, it might do him well. I think there's talent there, but again, um, the jury's out. Um, we just we have think, to wait and see. We think Honda, Honda signing him into World Superbike is a contingency plan in case he actually does harness his talent to bring him back in considering his how young he is potentially sort of like a sort of like a Stefan Brattle thing like but to take over from maybe Paul in a couple of years time sort of get him in there and and just let him hone his craft for a bit of a, a less spotlight yeah potentially I also think that it's also just got to do with the fact that um, a lot of the talent was already signed down in MotoGP and World Superbike and he happened to be you know without a ride in MotoGP and they kind of, I don't know. I think Honda World Superbike still has a lot to prove in relation to making decent signings. So fair enough. We'll just All right. leave a pin in that one. All right. And then my last one, because Michael touched on this as well. Um, <laughs> Remy Gardner dodged a real bullet this week. And in terms of his title defense, Huge. Um, losing the championship mid race with, um, with Fernandez taking the lead and then Fernandez um, sending the bike, <laughs> sending the bike down the road. I mean, what a horrific accident too! It looked, it did not look pleasant. No, it didn't look pleasant at all. But in terms of um, 
I think the only person not helping Fernandez uh, mount a successful championship charge is himself this year, because from the uh, from the eye test, he he doesn't he doesn't seem he seems to be the most talented rider in this field by far, and 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 that's coming from someone who who really is happy that Gardner is is at the front and wants him to win this championship, but. Um, Fernandez looks like the real deal. And my question is, okay, he might not win the championship this year, but moving into MotoGP next year, who do we, uh, not who do we think, I think he's, he, he's going to be a really tough um, opposition for, um, for Remy next year. He will um, be Remy next year. That, he's a better yeah, rider. Are, 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 um, are you sure he'll beat him if he keeps uh, sending these bikes down the road? Because MotoGP so, bikes are harder to stay on than the Moto2 bikes. Come he, on. He crashed early in the year. He injured himself. He missed a few races. Yeah, it t- took him a little bit of time to obviously get back into peak physical fitness since he's been there. And he, to be honest with you, he's not even there yet. But since he's been, you know, somewhat better, he has absolutely destroyed Remy Gardner. And, just, and the eye test itself uh, just shows that. I mean, I think we're going to have a similar situation almost with like Zarco Quadraro. Zarco, you know, won two championships and moved up into MotoGP you know, as the Moto2 champion, but Quadraro was always the more talented rider. And I think we might see this with um, with uh, Fernandez as well. Um, but do we think he'll, tell you he'll, what he'll push that, more how, how than that what the bike be? can give him? I think I think Tech, Tech 3 yeah. have really signed awesome riders, like two, two rookies, granted, but if you look at Fernandez, I think, you know, we're forgetting how he started the season pre-injury. He was, un- I think it was at three wins on the bounce and a second, or something like that. He was, he started the year like a bat out of hell and he was just unstoppable. No one could touch him. And it was when he got injured um, that we see Gardner, who was consistent in those early races, but nowhere near Fernandez really make that, that championship push. So I think they could, they will only push each other. And I would not be surprised if next year tech three, are more successful than the fact than the works bike. I, I really would not be surprised. Like I said, granted they are two rookies and they'll take time to adjust. But by the end of the season, I, I would not be surprised if they're if they're really pushing um, the works riders. Because I really think this could be the best thing in terms of um, Tech Three having that um, KTM allegiance because KTM do have probably the one of oh, the best junior program in all. All of the um, all of the classes, and we're going to see that next year. Especially given that KTM reaffirmed um, they weren't doing it this year, they but they've reaffirmed to commit to four um, bikes again, four um, full factory bikes, even two two with with Tech Three. I think that's going to be unbelievable, and and I think like like I said, those two, given their history, um, the fact that they're going to be in the same garage um, on the same team, I, I think that can only push. Um, Tech three, but also KTM, you know, in their development hugely. So I, I'm really excited for that. I think that's going to be unbelievable. But I do think Fernandez, a healthy Fernandez, um, edges out Gardner for me. That's all from me. I think expanding from, just to finish expanding from that point that we're making about Fernandez and Gardner, how good is it for MotoGP as a whole? I mean, we've gone through, uh, well, if you think about it over the last decade or so, a fairly consistent um, rider lineup that's that's definitely aged out now but when we think about the young Ducati driver riders that we've seen this year obviously with you know a few more coming in next year 
as as well as you know the young KTM riders that are coming through as well. Um, MotoGP is you know looking you know really strong, and there's a lot of really quick riders. I mean, if we think about Fernandez and, and what was said earlier, his dominance this year could have been Marquez-like if he hadn't have been injured. Like I, I mean that genuinely. He he's been phenomenal throughout the whole season, um, and he, you know I think how do you finish this race? He probably could have won the championship by, you know, 20 points, really. Um, he's just looked he's just looked that strong recently. Um, so it's unfortunate for him. But in saying that, um, you know, we kind of have to give um, Remy Gardner credit as well. He's by no means performed poorly this year. I mean, his consistency, um, you know, he's only really fallen, you know, at Coda. Uh, that's the only real blemish on his on his resume this he's year. He's taken the points that he's been offered. Yeah. Distant podium threat, definitely. Yeah, and and I think that we're probably underselling him a little bit just by how much we're talking up Fernandez. But I think moving into next year, he's going to be on a, a good bike with a lot of young talent around him, which would be a really good measuring stick to see how he actually rates against the likes of Binder, Oliveira, and obviously Fernandez. Um, but I think, you know, on a whole, it's, it's really good for, for MotoGP. I mean, we've got young lineups in, in Yamaha. We've got young lineups in Ducati, young lineups in KTM. Um, and I think the fact that we're seeing, you know, more current spec bikes, you know, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago after, after the last race that these young riders can get on, which definitely wasn't the case, you know, um, over, you know, the last decade. Three years when, ago. Yeah. Um, but even obviously coming out of, you know, the, the recession and things like that, I mean, it, it's, it's better for these young riders to be getting these rides so they can actually show, you know, what they're, what they're made of. I think one more thing to consider too that I keep forgetting is that both Suzuki riders will be in contract years next year. And um, we've mentioned it before, but I think Alex Rins, if he was to have another year similar to this year, would definitely be, definitely be on the move. So and and we, and historically Suzuki have not been shy in um, grabbing the next um, prospect in the in the prospect pool quickly. They done, they did it with Rins himself, and they definitely did it with Mir. Um, so that's something to look out for next year um, as we move forward. There are too many good riders um, to fill the factory seats at the moment. So there's definitely going to be some poaching. And anyway, that's all from me. If you want to wrap this one up, F, go for it, my man. Yeah, I think I think that was a you know a, a great race. Obviously, the championships over. We've got two races to go, um, and we'll keep bringing you the reviews for the last two races. There might be a little bit of a focus more on you know what two thousand and two looks like, and and obviously the right market. Sorry, two thousand and twenty-two. Um, but thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Please, if you're on our socials, give us a share. Give us a share. Give our you know content a like. If you're not on our socials, you know being Instagram or Facebook get on there it'll take you a second to you know to like and subscribe um on our youtube again likes and subscribes will be greatly appreciated and if you're listening on one of our podcasting apps please you know share with those people around you that you think might be interested as well and most importantly thanks so much for your time and thanks for supporting our podcast thanks so much guys for have your time week. and have a great night thank you very much see you boys thanks mate